Hey, what is up, you guys? Happy 2-2-2-2 day. Uh, this new episode is brought to you by our sponsor with Bench Accounting. If you're in the need for some tax services uh, to do your books for your startup or your small business, give uh, Bench Accounting a look. We're offering 30% off for the first three months if you use a click, uh, if you click the link on our description. So it'll be in the description wherever you're listening to this too. Uh, and you'll get 30% off uh, for three months, which is, you know, to, um, depending on the choice you select, um, it's either 250 or uh, $300. So give that a look if you're in need in, or in the market for uh, tax services. Um, and yeah, don't forget to like and subscribe um, and leave us a review on Apple. Uh, it really helps with the algorithm. So here we go. What is up, Star Mindsets fam? This episode happens to be a great one. We talked to Arnaud, who is an author, and he talks about something that we don't normally talk about in society, and it's uh, failing, to, you know, failing with a new endeavor, failing with a new company. Uh, his company had uh, tried to take down Facebook, and you know, much like other companies that tried to do that before, they didn't succeed. So, you know, Arnaud decided to write a book called How Hard Could It Be? Lessons from Less Lessons from Trying to Take Down Facebook. And uh, here today we're going to learn about his story. So check it out. At uh, Unicorn as well. Nice. Okay, this is uh, Sir Mindset's guest number 51, Arnaud Henneville Wedholm. Say that I am just learning that he is in Sweden right now and he is also from Paris, France. But Arnaud is the author of How Hard It Can Be. Um, and the book just came out quite recently. You can check it out on Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and several other retailers, or I think howhardcanitbe.com. And yeah, today we're just going to have a discussion about how he perceives entrepreneurship and his startup journey and what kind of lessons he learned while he was writing the book. So Arnaud, happy to have you here, man. It's, it's a pleasure. Welcome in from Sweden. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I, I was, I've been very much looking forward to this conversation. So I'm all pumped up here. Got the hat on. Cool. Can you talk to us a little bit about the broken unicorn and what, like, is it similar? Yeah. What, what's the broken unicorn? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's a great, that, that'll be great to, to learn more about that. Oh yeah, definitely. So it's, it's everywhere, right? I've, it's on my hat. It's on the cover of the book. Literally, so my, my unicorn has a broken horn. And the, the idea with the broken horn is that it's you nine startup out of 10 do fail. And you guys know that because you, you're from the California. So you, you hear a lot of, about this. So you know the data. And, and so every tech entrepreneur has a dream of becoming a tech unicorn. But the reality is that I just gave you the data is that it's very hard. Hence the broken unicorn. There are more broken unicorns out there than there are unicorns. So that's why the cover. And there are, so there are several reading to it. That's the obvious one. The less obvious one is that we believe we're we all broken unicorns until we're not. It's, you can fail your way to success, right? Can you elaborate for that? Like by fail your way to success, does that mean... What does that mean? Well, it means that it's very seldom that a one-timer get to the unicorn status just like this out of the garage, out of the blue. I mean, it does take quite a few attempts to make it through. So 
the image of the broken unicorn as a, the second layer to it is that it's actually okay to fail. It's actually okay to be a broken one because most likely you go back to it and perhaps you make it, or maybe not. But it's all fine. It's part of the journey. So when, when you were trying to tackle, trying to take down Facebook, what, what, were, you, what were you creating with the startup and what was the original, like what was, what was happening back in the day? Yeah. So we, the idea, so this is like 2012 when we launched. So yeah, 10 years already. It feels like yesterday, but not really. We, my, my co-founder and I, we, we were working in change management. So we were, you know, working with transformation, large scale um, uh, change initiative, rollout of strategy in a management consultancy firm out of Stockholm here in Sweden. And so we are very, you know, deep into behavioral people change, mindset change. And so as we were working with this and, and those large organizations, Facebook was getting up speed. At that point, 700,000, 800,000 users. And from a behavioral standpoint, we could not really understand what was so fascinating about liking pictures of cats with party hats and (laughs) contents of the plates of your neighbor and whatnot. So we found it quite disturbing. And we, after looking at it uh, in, in more depth, we realized that, so not only is this utterly stupid in our view, and we could do something about it to bring back people into uh, the real world, like having them do things that actually matter, like with a, a real impact. So we wanted to reinvent the word engagement. Engagement to us did not equate to liking from your sofa, but rather doing things in the real world. So that was the first element. The second one was that, at that point, there was a lot of research, even more so now, but a lot of research about the negative the side effects of using Facebook in, in terms of, for example, the growth of teenage suicide, yeah. you know, all mental health aspect. So research was starting to pop up and it felt just a mission of ours that we would go out and try to make a dent in the universe by, by disrupting Facebook. So that was the initial idea. How far, did, how, how far did that idea like manifest itself? Like, were you talking to Mark Zuckerberg and he was giving you calls or like what, what kind of was happening? <laughs> no, it went quite far actually. So we, we created a MVP and then we got, went knocking on doors and we got incubated into uh, Sting, which is the, the biggest incubator in the Nordics, uh, one of the biggest in Europe. And so we, we raised angel money and we launched a platform. So the, the idea was that in order to create that virality, we would the, the mechanics of the, the growth engine would be uh, a challenge. We all love to be challenged, right? And we all have evolved from a long time ago out of the fire camp by the idea of becoming greater versions of ourselves. So to us, this idea of self-actualization motivated by catapulted or, or leveraged by a, a challenge made a lot of sense, right? I would challenge you, Dan and Earl, and I would challenge you to do stuff like stuff that I knew you would be more you know, inclined to accept, like say, stop smoking or uh, enroll to a marathon or shave your head or could be yeah. the Philippines before, learn the language, no, it could be anything really that you would accept. And then 
the virality would come from the fact that you would yourself challenge your own friends so quickly the viral the viral effect would be fantastic so we would grow with no money really and that's pretty much what happened so we launched we got a lot of we got the hockey stick exactly so it went the launch was awesome but afterwards we hit the wall and we we plateaued in terms yeah. of user yeah. acquisition yeah I, I tell me more about that right it's because you know plateau for most entrepreneurs means it's just like keep on going and never quit right like we're plateau and see what's going to happen tell me more about like that time of, of the plateau and, and what led to the decision to not keep on going because that's something that most entrepreneurs will never talk about so we did we didn't went on for a long time so we so what happened is that people joined they created challenges for themselves and and for their friends but then eventually we realized that people were not turning those challenges were not completing those challenges so there oh. was Oh yeah so we basically had a youtube without video or a netflix without series yeah, and yeah. that that doesn't make for a good platform it's not good entertainment and that's where we thought okay here we have a problem how can we motivate people to actually do the things that they say to themselves that they want to do and it's not us coming up with 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 stuff it's really people from their own coming up with their better self so mm. it's it's very much the journey of change itself it's very much the 1st of january every day i sign up to the gym i'm all excited by mid march i'm done i don't go anymore can, can you or not i i think i have a hunch of like why people struggle and eventually quit or just decided they don't want to keep going it takes a lot of like willpower and self motivation for sure but for you and your own experience what would you say keeps people in the the successful habit loop where they're working towards a goal instead of just having a feeling of you're putting an effort but it's not really nothing's really happening can you talk to us about that and and what what you've seen or what you wrote right in your book to to keep people along yeah. the the trajectory yeah totally it's the classic change journey it, it's very easy to it's very easy to foresee yourself in the future like the the desired state of the next version of you which is a greater vision that that the one that you have today but it's very hard to close the gap mm -hmm. uh, to to move from your current state to to where you want to be and we we all live that every day we all have this one thing that we want to achieve and then suddenly somehow we deprioritize because life comes in the way it's, it's you sick the, the kids are sick you get to travel you've got too much work and suddenly that idea of running a marathon becomes far down the list and eventually it never happens and that's the problem with change management and and the problem with people wanting to be something different than they are to so it's a classic <laughs> yeah yeah but i'd i'd say like in the theme of people like ceos or founders of companies who achieve i guess maybe not only in the unicorn status but a level of success that's like uh pretty impactful or undeniable i'm i'm sure that they have life that happens to them too your health or whatever or like the, something that you don't control affects what your goals were or like just for example like the pandemic happens right with with those things that happen some people are able to push through what do you think is that magic element or what do you think that is it could probably be their, their mindset or maybe that they're they're just lucky what do you think it is no i don't think it's luck i don't believe in luck it's really having that goal and understanding that you won't reach that faraway goal by just looking at the goal itself you have to create little 
chunks of it mm. and gain momentum because one, once if running is difficult for you, for example, and you have this ambition, and I actually that was the case, and I talk about it, and I compare that in the book to some extent, is that I've, I was never a runner. I was running around the block, and that was about it. And so one day I was challenged to do a marathon, and I ended up doing it because I had that goal. I put it in a calendar, and then you go back backwards, and okay, what does it mean? What does it mean to achieve that at that time? And then you can create smaller goals, which you which you achieve yeah, sure. out of pure willpower. And as you achieve those, then you get that momentum, which keeps you going. It's like stop, stopping smoking, right? You, If you stop a couple of days, then it, it was worth those days were fantastic. And you can add another day and suddenly it's a week and then it's a month. And then why go back and have a smoke when you have been smoke-free for six months and then suddenly <laughs> you are a non-smoker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely relate. Not only with the like, running or like fitness or stuff like physically, but I think uh, running a company is also demanding in those sense. How would you break down the goals of someone who wants to be a founder into little chunks? Would that be make a website in one day or would that mean just one more customer every day? Like, How do you perceive that? Yeah, yeah, totally. Get that vision and then start slowly and, and build on, build success and add constant layers of things that you manage to achieve. Obviously, if you start with, I'm going to disrupt Facebook, and yes, you do have the, the vision, <laughs> <laughs> but then how do you translate that in the day-to-day -day lives? So for us, it was, okay, we were, we were management consultant, no, no experience whatsoever into building platforms, coding, and whatnot. We had to find people who would join our founding team to create that platform for, for us because we didn't have the, the, the capabilities. So that was the first step, the first step to do that. Then, then we enter an incubator. Okay. Check. Let's move forward. Now we get coaching. Then eventually we get interest of angels. Okay. And then we have the platform. All right. So what does it look to, to launch? All right. Let's, you know. So it's slowly, Rome wasn't built in one day, right? Rome, to create something. And of course, in this culture of you want things to happen fast, I think it's part of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. You have, you're presented with this illusion that success is going to come to you overnight, hit you once you've been uh, side hustling yeah. <laughs> 6 and 7 p.m. after work. And magically, out of the blue, you're going to be a unicorn and eat popcorn forever. doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's, that's actually something I want to talk to you about, Arnaud, is especially the book, right? How hard can it be? And you know, I was also a founder. That's something I underestimated. I actually used to invest in companies. And then, oh, how hard can it be? And then going to the other side, which is to be a founder. And I, I tell now all my founder friends that, like, I realize it's 10x more, uh, more, more harder compared to even investing, right? Investing, you obviously are not trivializing it, but you obviously it's about analyzing and, and making bets and then obviously following up. But then if you're in the trenches, you're not, you don't have a portfolio of risk. You're only a portfolio of one major risk. So maybe talk about what are the biggest surprises that you learned along that journey that really surprised you, as I mentioned, as a 
from a management consultant into an entrepreneur, what are the things that you, know, you realize? Wow, actually, I, I didn't really know that that was that hard, right? Oh, yeah, totally. I w- because, because we're management consultants, I'm MBA educated. I thought that I knew things. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was really surprised by, I was hit by reality that it's hard. It's really hard to keep. The first time we applied to this incubator, we got rejected because we came as management consultants with our nice, and it was just emptiness in it. It was nice. It was a nice narrative. We're great storytellers, but okay, guys, that's fantastic. You're going to displace Facebook. Okay, tell us how. So we knew nothing. We were totally naive to the whole experience. Right off the bat, day one, we got slammed right away. And that kept coming. So for me, that was the biggest surprise is that even when you feel that you're getting momentum and perhaps you're getting traction, there is something that I've come up with is the illusion of traction. Mm. Because, you know, it's always a sort of an S-curve. So it may look like traction goes up, but then obviously it's an S, it's a sagmoine curve. Eventually you get the plateau, either you go down, most likely it's a bell curve, but what you want to do is build another S-curve on top of the plateau, right? So it keeps going S. And so that is very hard. And that means you have to keep grinding forever. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, the biggest lesson for me is how harsh it is, how difficult it is. And to keep going, to keep that faith, that belief in what you do and in yourself, yeah, in yourself that you've got what you need in the tank to keep going constantly after rejection and rejection. I'm in sales. So I'm, I, I was in consulting, but I was selling consulting. I'm used to no's. It's, I don't, you know, it's, it's okay for me to get a no. So if, if, if you're not used to that, the journey is going to be rough. And even though I'm used to no's, it was rough. You get so many no's constantly. So that was the biggest, really the biggest takeaway for me was the the amount of heavy lifting that you have to do constantly. It, it never gets easier. I guess it does at some point, but for me, it never did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I haven't gotten a chance to pick up your book and look into it more, but do you have an interesting account, like either personal or you found somebody else's experience that you'd want to share or that kind of speaks to the the book yeah the book is the journey itself right so it's really what what we've been talking since we started here it's what is it what is it to be in the shoes of an entrepreneur the daily grind and the emotional roller coaster of it not just the nice fancy words that you can read everywhere the the traction and virality and mvp and, and whatnot the actual what happens when you get that constant door in your face and and you have to get up again and try something else and have to pivot we're talking about challenging facebook eventually as we because we didn't stop with okay people are not uh, creating challenges and are not uploading their their proof of completion we actually try to incentivize them with all sorts of extrinsic motivation so we brought in some celebrities the idea was that if you have celebrities on board you will be more inclined to do the things if a celebrity like Sasha Cohen or whomever would challenge you. Sasha Baron, the guy from Borat? Yeah, so he didn't, <laughs> he didn't join, sadly. But we, we had some amazing celebs. Like we had Eric Larson, which is a, a world record holder. He's been cycling in the in wow. the South Pole with his fat tire bike 
on our platform, literally challenging people for raising money for Parkinson's disease. So we had that kind of stuff. And it was a world record, Guinness world record being run onto our platform to incentivize people to not only bike, but also donate. So we really walked the talk and, uh, yeah. walk, walk and talk the talk. We tried hard to, to motivate people, but it, it's funny how no matter the amount of external e extrinsic motivation will take you someplace if it doesn't come from within. I, I think, think I think that's pretty important. Like all the motivation that you or all I have, or, it all comes from within. It's not, yeah, we're all motivated to make a million dollars or like cure cancer, but eventually it, it subsides and you'll get tired. You, you want to like sleep or you want to do something else. And I think like a lot of what people do is it's based off of feeling, but then it's also based off of like your, what was it, like the other brain, like the, the non-feeling brain? I was reading in some the left, book. The left brain is the more logical brain. The logical right. brain. The, the, yeah. the brain is the, uh, the more emotional one. Right? Creative and yeah, exactly. But I think, yeah, since we're humans and we don't have completely control over our actions, as much as we like to think we do, I don't think we make these decisions consciously. Like I also like hearing someone say that I subconsciously or our subconscious makes up 95% of our thoughts versus 5% comes from rational, real thoughts. So it's really interesting. And then when you like put that toward thinking about a startup or new innovation or business and where the objective is to change your, not only like your target customers and all that, and like, right? Since there's somebody who works nine to five or just a traditional job at a corporation are taught to come in at nine and do as much work as they can and go home and that's their day. But with the founder and people, and as you mentioned, being in the shoes of the entrepreneur, that, that job doesn't go away and that can also extend. Yeah. No, I was saying that what, what motivated you with the book and how did you, um, how did you push through to complete the book? Yeah. Because that just stays, the ship just stays in in the water. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, I guess are not, I mean, talk about intrinsic motivation. Tell me more about like, yeah, no, I was saying that what, what motivated you with the book and how did you, um, how did you push through to complete the book? Yeah, because that, that, that uh, fits into the, <laughs> the question, right? How do you take that vision of having a book on a shelf to actually writing it? Do you do it page by page? Um, so the motivation for, for the book was really that, so we did those two massive pivots. So we went from B2C, Facebook, to B2B, um, selling uh, challenges to corporations. That uh, fits into the, <laughs> the question. How do you take that vision of having a book on a shelf to actually writing it? Do you do it page by page? So the motivation for the book was really that, so we did those two massive pivots. So we went from B2C, Facebook, to b 2 selling challenges to corporations because we had the platform for challenges. So eventually we flip it and we went on banging the phone to sell challenges to large corps, which worked uh, like a charm because it's easy. It's top down. It's fairly easy to engage people in an organization that way. And then eventually we broadened the scope because that was not uh, sustainable. We, we would end up being a, <laughs> a, a telesale. Uh, company, <laughs> people, right? So that's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to build tech. So we ended up adding features and uh, slowly but surely we became an enterprise social network. And the arc of the book, uh, the story is that from Facebook to Facebook. So we went after Facebook to displace them in B2C and we kicked back by Facebook 
as we went to, to B2B with an ESN, a social ESN, enterprise social network, and Facebook launched their own uh, workplace at work, right? Workplace by Facebook. So there you got the whole narrative of the book from Facebook to Facebook. But anyway, we failed. The, the reason for the book is really that, yeah, again, all of the content that you get out there is focused on success, like the global yeah, sure. yeah, right? The Elon Musk, but you can't apply the content or the nuggets of wisdom that you get from such a, a fantastic success because it's not, we're not talking about the same scale. And so if you are a, a newbie and you're trying to build your own startup, reading about Richard Brunson that sends Galactica into space won't help much. So the motivation was really, let me take you through what it really is because I couldn't find any content about this. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's definitely difficult to, just in comparison, like somebody who's a billionaire and top on Forbes compared to a guy who's a regular person who, no, I'm certainly, they didn't start there either. Elon Musk was sleeping on the YMCA floors, but talk, hearing from a source that's as more easily, you know, relatable or easier to picture is, it makes, uh, makes it, make it, makes it more relatable. And I think then you relate to the content and more applicable. So that's a pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. And Sorry. No, I guess I, I know. I'd love to also know more about like you, right? What tell us more about your 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 childhood, your experiences in early life that kind of led you to end up wanting to build a company and ultimately writing a book, right? Yeah. No, I think um, I've always been an entrepreneur. There's this uh, this question: Is it uh, nurture? As far as I'm concerned, I've always been trying things out. And this was not my first company. It was definitely the biggest attempt the one that sucked me in for seven years. But but I did try so many times before, often as a side hustle, on the side of studying, on the side of having a, a normal job. And I think that's part of the, of the reason why the other didn't pan out because, again, if you only have committed, you can't expect getting the, the full results. So all to say that, yeah, I've always been into trying things out, like really throwing myself into the experience and getting feedback and learning from real world experimentation. So entrepreneur for me, is entrepreneurship is a way of life, right? I just try things. After the failure, I decide to write this book. Obviously, I'm not a writer or I wasn't then. And, and I just tried out and yeah, it worked. So yeah, I just, you only live one. So I, I really take it to heart and I try stuff and see where it sticks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I'm similar to you. Uh, <laughs> just nobody call it experimenting and, and definitely just seeing what sticks. Crazy that, that you mentioned that. I think the, the podcast, we hit 51 episodes exactly. Uh, when we first started, we were not what we were doing at all. <laughs> I, I was like, uncomfortable with talking and it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but that's crazy, man. And you take one step and then you take another step and definitely that's what it's. I, I saw your, what do you call it, one of your social media posts where you went running. and But prior to running, you were talking about how it was warm inside and it was, you know, you were comfortable. But you still decided to run 10 kilometers or, or six miles or something like that. Can you tell us about what it feels like to achieve that success? Because I think sometimes we're also just scared to achieve success. Like we like the comfort and we're scared to change or be be different because it's, it's so much easier to be comfortable and you think you're you don't want to go through pain because running is painful man i've ran before it's icky and painful like mile four or like, even mile one you can 
think of quitting. I think also like with you, I guess, as a runner, or what when you know you're starting to feel like, oh crap, my body's giving up, or you know, times like that. What do you think keeps you running and going? Yeah, no, it's a very good. I think running is a very good parallel that you can make for life because it never gets easier or for startup life. The, no matter how much you run, and I now I've, I've picked up running quite some. I, I did a, a half marathon here this weekend on ice. It's a run here in, in Sweden. You run on ice for 21 kilometers. You skate or you run? Freaking <laughs> painful. And I did it last year, and it was not easier because I had done it already. And I run every week. I run a lot. And yet, it doesn't, it never gets. So, yes, you, sure. And that I think is the, the point we made earlier that you can achieve the distance because you've run it before in your head. You've built that connection. We're talking about subconscious and conscious decision making and how you operate that you've done it. Hence, you know that you can do it again. So it's not a question in your head. You're not debating with yourself whether you can do it or you can't. You actually can. That's why you go. Then it becomes tricky when it's something that you've never done at all because you have nothing to to relate. And that is to the point that you were mentioning before. And that is true. And it's, a, it's David uh, Eagleman, uh, professor at Stanford, neuroscientist who's done a lot of research. He has some pretty cool tech that is building just now. But anyway, yeah, the research says that we function 90, 95% subconsciously and, and the reason for it, it, it takes a lot of energy to uh, do anything that is different from what you've, you're used to. So you, if you look at your day, you wake up always the same way, always <laughs> inside of the bed, right? <laughs> and you do your mechanical thing the whole day. And when you are faced with a decision that you haven't made before, it becomes suddenly uncomfortable, very difficult that you have to assess, okay, what are the risks? What are the, uh, what am I doing here? Right. Yeah. And that is only because you haven't faced it before. Now, the beauty of the way we are, we are wired is the plasticity of, of our brain is that we can actually recreate those pathways in a way that makes us more um, adaptable to the next thing that is coming at us. So if we go back to running or gymming and listen to one of your podcasts, you talk about going to the gym. Mm. It's the same thing, right? If you keep lifting those five kilos of weight, nothing's going to happen. You're not going to be muscled. You're not going to be stronger. Nothing. You have to stress, stress those fibers over and over, get bigger uh, weights so as to increase your, yeah, sure. yeah. your volume. Right? <laughs> and as you do that, you become more comfortable with the idea of lifting heavier and you don't have to question yourself again. So if you put that into the, the startup context, I think, and also the organizational context, we have to seek failure. That's my big thing coming mm -hmm. out of the book is that instead of merely embracing failure, which is to say that, okay, I'm trying something and it's not working. Oh shit. And I embrace it as in I'm reactive to it. What if instead I strategically plan and see what happens? I like that point. Yeah, that's pretty novel. No one ever, it's really rather rare that people want to talk about failure or like just. Yeah, I think most of the time, right, Dan, we hear people saying, don't 
then our nods even taken to the next level, which is let's seek for it so we can prepare for it more. Exactly, because the only thing we are afraid about, which is uh, something that I've really learned through this journey, the only thing that we are afraid is the belief that we create for ourselves that we are going to fail. And I've challenged myself. I'm going to give you like a stupid <laughs> example. I don't like to jump from heights. Kids tend to do that. So I've got three kids. And in Sweden, we swim in lakes. And they have built in on the edges of lakes. They have those things that you can go on and walk up the ladder and, and jump. You've got different heights, oh, wow. two meters, five meters, 10 meters. And I hate it. I tell you, I hate it. So when I, last summer... And I know this thing because I, I was already comfortable with this idea of, of, of failing. I went up with the idea of jumping. I stood in front of the, at the edge of it and I looked down and it felt high. So I stood there for a while and I knew that the only thing that kept me from jumping was the idea that I would be scared. But being scared is an illusion. It doesn't exist. Exactly. It's just like you are making yourself a movie of you jumping and this thing apparently being something that is scary, but there's nothing such. So I went down the ladder, I look up and I saw kids, including mine, jumping, jumping, and I felt really bad. The whole <laughs> afternoon passed and we we're about to go. And I said, no, I can't live it this way. I have to go and jump. Mm -hmm. So I went up and I jumped. And after that, you realize that, man, it was, it was super easy after all. And it, it was nothing to be scared about. Again, fearing this thing that you haven't experienced, the only reason you fear it is precisely because you haven't experienced it. So what if instead you were to proactively throw yourself into things that you haven't experienced yet so that next time they come at you, you are comfortable with it? It's not a problem and you can keep going and keep moving forward in spite of, of resistance that you may get from the environment. Wow, that's yeah, pretty, guess, pretty Yeah, I guess Arnaud, what's your advice? How do you push through the fear? Because it's like entrepreneurship, right? Like the one thing that, what, that actually people are so afraid of starting something and to be honest, starting something, then even talking to investors is their fear of getting rejected or perceived to be a, in some cultures too in the world right if you start a business you tell people and it doesn't work out mm. you know you have a lot of shame of like oh my gosh like i can't even think <laughs> friends that I, that friends i told people i'll start a business and then it end up failing how mm. do you push through that fear which is a lot of our listeners in the podcast it's like in the fence i was telling dan we looked right. at our listeners there they want to do it they're right. they're in the process of doing it or they're even in the early stage of doing it but there's still that like thing in your inside of you that's like, oh man, right. no, I shouldn't just push through anymore. How do you push through that? I think once you realize that the the only thing that you fear, and you just mentioned it, it's external. It's like the people to whom you believe will be impacted by your known success or will look at you differently. It's always from the perspective of others. If you mm. just look at yourself and the fact that in the end, it doesn't really matter because the, the one thing that you are doing, you do it for yourself, then the perception of others is totally irrelevant. So the one thing we, we fear 
is the fear of other people's opinion. It's the FOPO. So you've got the FOMO, the fear of missing out. <laughs> That's hilarious. Got the FOPO, <laughs> sure. Right. But if you forget about the FOPO altogether, which is also why we don't put the pictures online that we want to, we don't put, or we remove them. I've done that myself. You put a post after three hours, doesn't get any traction. <laughs> You're like, shit, this was a, a bad thing. <laughs> A lot of people do that. That's true. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's super relevant for, for the times we're in. But I think another part of it is like the times we're in are they're, they're new times. There's like new Web 3.0 coming out, growing. 3.0 now, right? Yeah. <laughs> then there's, uh, you say, there's like TikTok. Naturally, you just want to have things be the way they are. But we've always evolved as people. Darwin's theory of evolution was... That's how right. true i think even in a thousand years from now it's going to be drastically different i think we have to evolve or either that or we're, we're just stuck here which in 10 years if we were to look back we wouldn't like that that's pretty insightful and, and necessary to, to take some steps here <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. what's pretty absurd and and you mentioned darwin it's quite interesting because i do talk about this in the book is that we so the reason we we seek comfort because our brain uh, seeks to protect us. So the incentive, the only purpose of your brain is to keep you, it's there so you can be part of uh, evolution by natural selection because the moment you die, you, you're no, of no good. So that's the that's where we come from. Now, back then, you had to be careful where you went away from the, the fire uh, camp, the campfire, to look for food because you might be eaten by... But today... You don't have such uh, tigers in between the shampoo ales and the, the shampoo and the, the diaper in, in the supermarket. There's no reason for you to fear anything. Nothing is going to happen. So the fear that we experience is only based on... It, it's, it's, we have it from our reptilian brain, but it's of no use. And that is what is actually refrain, impeding us from becoming better versions of ourselves. And now the modern version of the tiger is the Facebook or the TikTok life. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I love these analogies. I, I kind of think that the Facebook is the tiger that 2,000 years ago. Right. I guess or not, we're, we're going to the, the, the latter part, a few last minutes of, of, the, of our podcast here. Maybe I'll ask two questions. Kind of the questions I always like to ask our guests as we wrap this up. The first question for you is, if you had to go back again in time and talk to your, what, 18 or 90-year-old self or not in university or, or whatnot, right. what would you tell him, right? Now, knowing what you know right now. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it's, I've uh, been thinking a bit about this lately. So on the one hand, I would tell nothing, just do what what happened because it was probably meant to be and all those experiences that I collected since then I've been creating the person I am. So that would be the great uh, view of it. Yeah, that's an, a, another long debate, philosophical debate about free will and and not whether do we whether we we can create a new us or whether the you that you're supposed to be is already built in and the, the purpose is on peeling the onion in a way, just getting rid of the constructs that you've acquired along the way, all those models that you've been fed with, as opposed to adding stuff. 
and uncovering yourself by the subtraction idea as opposed to to adding stuff. Um, so that's one way to look at it. Another potential answer would be uh, to trust what myself more than because of course and perhaps that's a game of getting older it's part of the it's part of the yeah. process <laughs> right and I, I was very much looking to impress others by being smart by being whatever not trusting myself fully into what i knew then so not trusting my gut feeling and being scared of of being judged like you said before i didn't know what i know now so fear of people's opinion is a big thing when you are growing up because you believe that you lack the experience that you haven't you know collected enough points on that journey that that you're worth you know opening your mouth so trusting yourself more would be some or in, in one to two sentences what is your own personal startup so yeah go for it nothing is you say in tech like you know you nothing is gonna break but it's the same you can apply to yourself go for it see yourself as a tech product and throw yourself into the experience and get feedback by being in the world as opposed to <laughs> making fantasy of of yeah, what happened, you know? <laughs> just go for it go after the thing that you believe you you can impact the most and and what you're excited about a passion is is a key one for me don't look for it under your bed it's not going to pop up just f feel it from within and leave the one life that you have out of the passion that you have through it in the world oh that's brilliant i think yeah we ask that question a lot i think that following through with the ideas is more more than it's, it's the whole it's a whole it's, it's everything but yeah or not i think something remarkable or something just i noticed from the conversation we had here today was and you were talking earlier fear and, and this whole thing that prevents action is probably the fear probably like internal and subconscious stuff and yeah i think you offered a, a lot of great uh, solutions and analogies that we can really apply and think about as we charge through life so thanks for the wisdom man that that does it for the, the episode of Arnaud but Arnaud lastly read your book or how do we get in touch with you and things like that absolutely thank you first for having me on it was a blast I think we had a, a good laugh yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you think of me as the, the tiger of so thanks for that the book is how hard can it be startup lessons from trying and failing to take down Facebook so it's really focused on the failing part you can get it everywhere really every major platform in every market it's it's globally distributed and I have a website which is how hard can it be the book dot where we can you can order it straight from there i also give a bonus for folks who uh, buy it and send me the receipt which is the seven traps on the road to startup success and i can just give you two ones uh, quickly just the header one is the illusion of traction we talked about, and another one would be like the f word funnel and it's a discussion around around the sales funnel how do you work with the sales funnel so i've got seven of those really neatly packaged for people who who get the book and i'll send that to them so thanks a lot again it was a blast and um, it's okay to fail and to be a broken unicorn until you get to your real unicorn status yeah that does it <laughs>